trust. Trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability or strength of someone or something. You can trust something, right? Like many of us trusting that when we step on the brake, the car stops, right? You're putting your trust in a machine. That's what you're doing, which is funny. We can put our trust in a machine. We can't put our trust in God. Some of us trust in people. Like, I trust that you will be there to pick me up when I'm seven years old and I come out of school and I'm waiting for my dad (laughs) on the corner. I know, I know. I'm traumatized, church. I won't let my dad forget it. Some of you guys are like, what happened? What happened? He just left me waiting for a very, very long time. I live two blocks from the school, but he told me, don't walk home. I'll pick you up. And so I was two blocks from home outside of school. It was snowing. It was cold. And I waited till he picked me up. And it was dark. My father was commuting at a time. We were transitioning from New York to, to Philadelphia. And at that time, we were in, we were in, in Jersey for a moment as our, trans, our transition was happening, and he was still working in New York City, so he got caught in some traffic. And there were no cell phones back then. Some of y'all are like, well, he could just call you. There were no cell phones back then, okay? <laughs> All right? The ones that were existed were the big box ones. Yeah. But, you know, okay? Yes. So they couldn't just call the way we can call our kids now, because our kids, seven, eight-year-olds have cell phones, right? Um... We can't just call them and tell them to go home. That didn't exist. If, if, if back then when your dad said, be here, you had to be there. You had to be there. Anyways, anyways, anyways. See, I'm, I'm, I'm traumatized. Or, or, I can't let it go. Can't let it go. We trust in some things or we trust in someone. We can have trust in a person or in a thing. Again, I want to ask, can he trust you? And we're talking about God our Father. Can he trust you? Can he trust you when all hell is breaking loose around you? You know how some people crack under pressure, right? Some people thrive under that. In my household, we're completely opposite. So my wife, she thrives under uh, controlled situations. If it's controlled, if it's planned, if it's scheduled, that she thrives under that. And, it's fine. and I find it a little boring. <laughs> when chaos is happening and it's all around us and this happens and this pops up and this, I'm like, yeah, I got it. All right, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, I, and it's like Sergeant Diaz takes over and she's just like, you can't do all that. I, watch me. Watch me get it done. She... She's preventive, but guess what? We can't always prevent. Things happen. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. Or married to somebody that's always ready. (laughs) (laughs) Can you trust you when Satan shoots the fiery darts at your family? Can he trust you? Can he still trust you when your family is under attack by the enemy? When your children are being rebellious, when the marriage doesn't seem so well, can he still trust you? Can he still trust you when the bank says, um, insufficient funds? Wait, what? Can he still trust you? Can he still trust you when your boss doubles your work but doesn't double the pay? A lot of us Post-COVID, a lot of people post-COVID have been experiencing that. More work and less money. Can he trust you when your own family betrays you? There's a pain in that. Can he trust you when it's looking like you may not have a place to live? Homelessness is on the rise. Did you know that? Are you guys aware of that? 
Did you know that there are more people living in their cars than ever before in this, in this season? I mean, it's almost like, <laughs> and this is what social media does, right? It's almost like, hey, I'm homeless, but maybe, let me make it look cool and put it all over social media. And then, you know, other people will be homeless. And then some people are even leaving their houses to be homeless. I don't know, but there are more people living in their cars these days than ever before. Some intentionally and many unintentionally because they have no choice. Can he trust you when your friends abandon you? Can he trust you when you or your loved one is stricken with a terminal, fatal disease and the doctors say there's no hope? Can he still trust you? Let's turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. Praise God. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to the man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Don't confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Jesus. Christmas is about celebrating the birth of Jesus. Yes, we can get technical. We can go with the dates that it really happened in December. No, it didn't. The good thing is, we can all agree that Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Christ. That he was born. He is, it was God became flesh. And that's what we celebrate. All right, so this is what's happening right now. Mary Mary is currently engaged to Joseph. And Jewish weddings are a big deal. Like, it's a big deal. It's not a one-time thing. They party for weeks. They party for weeks. They go all out. So imagine all the planning that goes into a wedding, right? Some of you guys had some bigger weddings than others, but you guys already know that no matter the size of the wedding, big or small, there's always still planning. There's always still planning that goes along with it. So, So think about it. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. The arrangements between the families have been made. Um, you know, okay, we want you to marry our son. Okay, take our daughter, blah, blah, blah. How many goats are you going to give me? Whatever the case may be. So the arrangements between the families have been made. They agree. Now she's probably wedding planning, you know. She's, uh, you know, calling the caterer, getting things ready, calling Veronica. Veronica, I need you to decorate. I need you to set up. I need some treats. For the wedding, she's going down the guest list. Okay, well, who do we invite? Who not? Well, guess what? The whole village is invited to that wedding. They were a big deal. So-and-so's getting wedding. We all going. Everybody's going. We're all going to visit. So the guest list was pretty long. Seat assignments must have been a nightmare, right? The decor, everything. Everything, that, that's, that's what's on her mind right now. Think about it. This young lady is about to be married And what's on her mind right now is the wedding that is to come. What young lady would not be lost in that at this moment? Just so you know, just so you know, it's okay to plan. And and I want to say that it's okay to plan things out. It's okay to have plans, to have goals. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, There's nothing wrong with having a picture in your mind of how you want everything to look. 
babe, it's okay. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes things happen, right? Um, and it's impossible to plan for the unforeseen game changers that hit our lives. You can continue to have all the plans that you want to do, put down all the goals, all, all your desires, but keep in mind, keep in mind, keep in mind that God has the last say. He has the last say at all times. And are you willing to be accept that? That's, that's, that's just part of our walk with God. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We could have all the plans in the world, but his purpose for you is what stands. That's what, is, that, that's what makes all the difference. All right, back to Mary's plans. She's, she's got everything in her head. She's, she's dreaming about her future. You know, she's already named the next four or five kids in her life. Some, of y'all, some women do that, right? Some women have the names of the, of, of the four children before they even get married. They have them set. They have their whole life planned out. Suddenly something happens. Suddenly something happens and the Lord chooses Mary. He chooses her. He interrupts her life. He interrupts her life. He interrupts her plans. And he throws in there, you're highly favored. You're highly favored. God is saying to her in, this, in that sense of, hey, you're highly favored. He's like, I am entrusting you with this massive, I am entrusting to you this massive responsibility to carry and give birth to the Savior. It sounds amazing. It sounds wonderful. I mean, how many of you Ladies would be super excited. Okay, all right. There's very few, but okay, all right. Some are like, I don't want that. Okay. It sounds amazing. It's awesome. This, you mean I get to carry and give birth to the Savior? And I don't got to think of a name because you already told me what to name him? That's awesome. Because you imagine that pressure? You have to name the Savior? That would have been been too much. Look, can you help me out? I'll do this, but can you at least tell me what to name him? He gives everything to her. But wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not all peaches and cream because right now, after the wow, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I got to tell Joseph. I got to tell Joseph that I'm going to have a baby and that he is not the baby daddy. That's what I have to do. And hope that he doesn't leave me. Why are some guys already shaking their head? Why are some guys already shaking their head? I ain't, I ain't staying, I ain't staying, I ain't staying. How will Joseph respond? Well, at first, not too well. At first, his initial response was, all right, well, you do you. I'm going to call off the wedding real quietly. Don't worry, I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but, you know, this is, we, we know this is going to be done. We're not, we're not doing this. We're not moving forward. We read that in Matthew where I'm going I'm to call it off quietly. Now, can you imagine what's going on through Mary's mind right now, right? She had just spent this time dreaming and fantasizing, and planning, and, 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 and scheduling, and seat assignments, and the food is already ordered, and this, I mean, everything was already going to plan. Her life gets interrupted by God. He chooses her. He says, you're favored, highly favored. 
and then it seems like her whole world is falling apart. It seems like everything is falling apart. Wait, 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 God, what's going on right now? I didn't, I didn't ask for any of this. I, you, you, you know what I wanted to do. Why is this happening to me? <laughs> That's a familiar question, right? How many of us have ever asked God that? Why is this happening to me? You know, and, and we, we, we seem to turn to God and ask questions like this when we're in our life and things begin to shift in our life. Things begin to change. Things begin to, 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 to maybe go in directions that we didn't plan for it to go. And we begin to like, God, why, why is this happening to me? What's going on here? You, and, you know, you know what the saying is, I'm a good person. Why is this happening to me? I, I do all the right things. Why is this happening to me? Why? Can you take a moment and imagine the things, the people, the gifts, the ministry that God wants to trust you with, yet the process seems to bring pain, disruption, or change to the course of your journey? I want you to understand this. Can you only can you imagine what God wants to do with you, with people in general, the gifts He wants to reveal, the talents, the, the, the assignments He wants to give you, the roles He wants to position you in, right? Because we all want to be in God's will. We all, I mean, we all say it. God, whatever you want me to do, that's where I want to be, right? We say it. And then God says, okay, well, I want you to do this. I want to put you here. But the transition, the, the movement of, of, of shifting in our lives, where at that moment God is beginning to place us or position us to receive or to live out what he's called us to do, that process sometimes is frustrating. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes, you know, we, we, it brings pain because it's a separation that we never planned in our lives. There's pulling. There's stretching. There's breaking. One of the things that in the Marine Corps, <clears throat> yes, one of the things the Marine Corps is, is most known for, obviously, is, is it's, it's boot camp, right? Boot camp of the Marine Corps is set is set apart from all the other branches except for Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs is, is the truth right there, right? Um, and, and at that moment, what the Marine Corps does is they take these recruits. And the funny thing is this. Guys would train. I was, I was in this program for months before joining the Marine Corps. And the program is supposed to condition your body so, therefore, you can, you can like, adapt well when you get there. Well, first of all, there's no conditioning in Philadelphia that's going to prepare you for the swampy air of South Carolina at all, right? It's just a, it's like a, you're choking on the, on the air down there, right? But, um, so there's a lot of running, there's a lot of climbing, there's not a lot, but some guys would get to boot camp, and they've been working out, you see them huge, right? They walking around like this, you know, they can't bend their arms all the way down because they're so strong, right? And they, you could tell that they have prepared. They're coming into boot camp looking like Hercules, those guys suffer the most, and they're usually the ones that have lost the most weight at the end, right? What they do is they concentrate on breaking your body and building it back up the way they desire it for, for it to be, to condition it the way they feel would make you best adaptable in the Marine Corps. They break your spirit. That's what they do. They make you feel like you're nobody, and then... They all of a sudden, they make you feel like you're Superman. Every Marine comes out of boot camp thinking that he is bulletproof. Yes, they brainwash us. We think we are bulletproof. But the thing is, we didn't always think that in boot camp. In the first month of boot camp, they destroy you and build us up as one unit. They destroy the individuality 
amongst us and build us up as a team. So we are Superman. We are bulletproof. We are. And see, the, see how things change? Sometimes God wants to break us. So it's no longer me, but we, him. Because first of all, it can never be just me. Breaking in the sense where his church body, it's we, it's not me. And in our relationship with God individually, it's him, it's not myself. And sometimes that process is hard. It takes you out of your comfort zone. As a matter of fact, um, we look back at the verse and the angel tells Mary that she was highly favored. Right? We, we, we say favor, like, oh, give me some of that. I want favor. Who wants favor? Who wants it? Our, some of y'all are like, well, I don't want to raise my hand now because, look, she was favored and look what she had to go. No, no, no. We all, we all want God's favor, right? But, God, if I'm highly favored, how can I be going through all this drama? If I'm highly favored, how can I be so frustrated? How is this favor? How is this favor to be pregnant before marriage? How was this favor to almost lose out on getting married to the man that was chosen for me? How, how is this favor having to take the uncomfortable journey to Bethlehem on a donkey while pregnant, really pregnant? Veronica, imagine you had to get on a donkey right now. <laughs> right now. And travel on a donkey to you know, like, uh, North, like mid-Jersey somewhere. Huh? <laughs> just thinking about it would make her miserable. Just thinking about it, it, it just makes you miserable. How is this favor? How is this favor having to give birth to my child in this dirty, stinky manger? Stable. How is this, how is this favor? How is this favor that after I give birth to this precious, precious child, I now have to go on the run for the next two years because Harold put a hit on my baby. How is this favored? Favored? Yes. She was still favored through it all. If you think that trouble does not come to those that are favored, then you're wrong. You're wrong. The truth is found in John 16, 33. It's mentioned there. It said, I have told you this, all this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The interesting thing is that when we look at that verse, we don't see any, like, uh, uh, restrictions or any, any sub-comments as far as, like, uh, you won't have any troubles unless you're favored. You won't have any trials unless you're favored. You won't have any problems if you go to church every Sunday. It doesn't say that. You know, it says that you will, bottom line, everyone will have trials and tribulations and trouble in their life. Favored or no favor, you will still have issues in your life. In those moments, in moments, so life moments like these, he asks, can he trust you? Trust you to move forward in the mission and purpose assigned to you. Can he trust you to be consistent when life gets complicated? These are questions that we got to be honest with ourselves. Can God trust you? He's got an assignment for you. He's got an assignment for you. He's got, there's purpose for each and every one of you. Some of you guys are like, well, I'm not my relationship with God. is not that great. Okay, guess what? There's still an assignment for your life. There's still purpose for your life. And so if your life is eh, not so great, well, let's get it better. Let's do better. 
Because there's, there's a mission to carry out. There's purpose for your life. And until you begin to walk and live that purpose, you always feel like there's something lacking in your life. And I know some of you feel that way. I know some of you feel like there's still something missing. I can fill my life with so much. I can sing a million songs. I can watch a million sermons. I can go to all the church services. I can go every day, every day of the week. And still, I feel like there's something missing in my life. I still, I feel like there's something, there's a void, there's a hole, there's something that just doesn't feel right. And it's because, guess what? You still aren't walking in the purpose and in the assignment that he's given you. And it's because he loves you that he allows you to feel that empty feeling so that way you know that there's something lacking, there's something missing. Only he can fill it with that purpose. Speaking of the Navy SEALs, right, um, their training is at a whole nother level. Um, <laughs> the Marine Corps has, the funny thing is I laugh because around the time that I was in boot camp, um, just around that time, a couple years before, a group got together. Oh, I'm trying to remember their name. It was like Mothers Against, Mothers Against, um, no, no, it was, it was about against hazing. It was, it was like mothers against something about hazing or, 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 the, or, or the, the cruelty of boot camp, like, you know, what, what they would do to us in boot camp. And so a group of mothers started a, a, an organization that would protest the manner that their children were being treated in boot camp. And um, because of that, the Marine Corps stopped doing some things because and seriously, some recruits would die and things like that. So there were some valid, there were some valid things to that. Um, but that doesn't fly with Navy SEALs. They, they, they just won't care. Don't, don't sign up because they are very clear about the type of training they give you. Uh, a lot of these Navy SEALs, they, they, <laughs> they do a lot of water training, and it's like you almost drown. Like almost every Navy SEAL almost drowns, Right? So the, the, it's intense, it's physical, it's mental, um, it, it's, it's, you've got to be determined, you've got to be dedicated, um, and you just can't quit. This is the only boot camp that allows you to leave in, mid, in mid-training. None of, none, of, none of the branches really do that. They put you in some kind of program, and they put you in another program. And this, if you want to get out of boot camp, the best way to do it is just finish the boot camp. Because guys that kind of wanted to leave would stay there like three, like, you know, three or four months extra, going through some processing and all sorts of weird stuff. But the Navy, Navy SEALs is the only, only one that you can leave, you can quit. You can quit and walk away. They have a bell that's stationed right in the center of their, of their training facility. And it's right in the middle, so first of all, everybody can see you walk over there and quit, right? And so you walk over there when you've had enough. When you can't do it anymore, when you're just like, I'm done with this, I quit, this is not what I want, you walk over there and you ring that bell. Bling, bling, bling. Go get your stuff and leave. They weed out the weak. They weed out the quitters because they can't ever risk, the Navy SEALs can never risk somebody checking out mid-mission. The missions are so important. You can't risk someone not being all here, all dedicated, all committed, loyal to the mission, loyal to whatever cause it is. They can't risk it. They'd rather you just quit and not be a part of this, and we only will use the ones that are going to be trusted in battle. Now, we all may not be U.S. Navy SEALs, Who's the Navy SEAL in here? Anybody? Who likes to think they're Navy SEAL sometimes? Just Justin? Just Justin? <laughs> no, I'm fine. Oh, Becky back there saying she's a Navy SEAL. Becky. But you know what? We have something special. We all have access to something that gives us the edge in life, right? That, 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 that gives us the upper hand. 
We have something that gives us encouragement when we need it. We have something that gives us knowledge when we don't know. We have something that gives us direction when we're lost. We have something that motivates us when we feel like we're giving up, and that something is the Word of God. We all can be trusted to carry out His will for our lives if and only if we can commit and surrender to His Word. You know what I find odd? Mary was chosen to be the mother of Jesus, um, but we don't, we don't know much about Mary's past. Like, there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot of information on her bio, right? Um, what do we really know about her? Like, who is she really, right? Well, um, we don't have, I mean, she's Elizabeth's cousin, right? We know she's Elizabeth's cousin. We know she's a virgin. We know she's engaged to Joseph. We know she found favor with God. We know the town she lives in. I mean, but we don't really know her, right? And what, made me, and what this made me wonder about was the fact that our past doesn't matter. We don't know a lot about her past, right? But what, this was, what I kind of got from this was just that we, our past doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can choose today to leave our past in the past and become a new creation in Christ and be used by God. Some of us are haunted by our past still to this day. Some of us can't move forward in our walk with God because it seems like our past is like, oh, you ain't going nowhere. You know who you are. You know the things that you've done, the places that you've been. God is saying, that's okay. That's the past. I want to use you now. What does that have to do with right now? From there to there, you have made a decision to walk this direction. You have left the past in the past, and today you can say, I choose to serve you. And God says, great, let's do this. The past does not matter. Isaiah 43 18 to 19 says, do not remember, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He's like, don't you know, don't you know what I can do? Something new in your life. When God looked upon Mary, he just didn't see a virgin. When God looked at Mary, he saw a woman that wasn't going to drop her assignment when the road got rough. That's what he saw. When God is looking at you right now, is he seeing a man or a woman that won't drop the assignment when it gets rough? Because the reality is we all want blessing. We all want to be used by God. We all want to do amazing things for him. Because, you know, I mean, who wouldn't want to be chosen by God to do something great? I mean, because, you know, it feels good. You know, it feels good. God chose me. But are you going to drop the assignment when things get rough? Can he trust you with the assignment? And some of you guys are like, but what's the assignment? The thing is this. Sometimes we get so caught up with my personal purpose that we don't move in the purpose that we all serve in the first place. The Bible tells us clearly to go and make disciples, to preach the gospel, right? So guess what? We all, that's, that's the purpose that we all share. How about we just start with that? Because some of us are not even doing that, and we want to know, well, God, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? God's like, uh, you haven't even gotten up off the sofa yet. You ain't ready to handle what your purpose is. What's the truth, God? You can't handle the truth right now. And so the reality is, get up. Start walking in the purpose of first being his child of, uh, and his daughter, son or daughter of Christ, and go out 
and be the hands and feet of Jesus, share the gospel, uh, um, disciple the lost, you know, dis- disciple the new believer. These are things that we're supposed to be doing. If you do this, tell your secret. You bump into your purpose that's specifically just for you. Mary was young. She was inexperienced. She's never done this before. Now she had to face critics, persecution. You know, she had to ride a donkey while pregnant. Discomfort. But God knew that she would follow through. God knew that she would be faithful. Many times we struggle in our walk because we're too frustrated because we aren't perfect. You know how some of us come down hard on ourselves? Ah, messed up. Ah, man, how can I be like this? How can I be like that? And we get angry with ourselves for not being perfect. God is not telling you to be perfect. God is telling you to be faithful. Do you understand that? God's God's not saying be perfect. He's telling you to be faithful. Now, for the areas that we fall short, for the things that we do wrong, for the, for the things that we say or things that we do that we shouldn't do, there's something called, anybody? Oh, well, there's this grace that covers us, but what are we supposed to do? Repent. 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 Go before the Lord. Get on our knees. I'm not perfect. You know that already, but I did this, and this was wrong, and I'm sorry I did this. I don't want to do this again. Give me the strength to never go there, never do this, never say this. If I need to find people in my life to tell them what's going on so that they could help me not do this, not say this, not. You have to do your part. Some people are like, all right, I'll go, I'll pray. And then they stay by themselves. And then they still struggle with the same things over and over and over again because they, they don't want to open the door for help. Because, they're, because, because the devil lies to you about shame and guilt and embarrassment and this and that and all the things like, I don't want people in my business. I don't want people to know this. I don't want people to know that. Guess what? Every time you think that way, that's not God. Can I tell you that's not God? When you say, I don't want nobody in my business. I mean, I get it. We're not going to put it on blast, put it on the newspaper, on the website, on Facebook. On the, we're not going to do all that. But there needs to be somebody in your life. You need to open that door and allow someone to help you, help disciple you in those areas. We need that. Matthew 25 Verse 21 says, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful. He didn't say perfect. He said faithful. Servant, you have been faithful, not perfect, in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's celebrate together. The journey between Bethlehem was not an easy one, especially for a pregnant woman. We talked about that. It was uncomfortable. But our, guess what? Our journeys are not comfortable either. There are, we, we, we won't always have easy journeys. We won't always have it easy. There are times that we have discomfort, that we'll be frustrated, right? But we have to be encouraged to push through. We have to be encouraged to push through. When we place our trust in him, he's able to trust us with his plans. When we place our trust in him, he can trust us with his. Sometimes we rob ourselves of God's blessings because we aren't being faithful. It's the truth. We're not being faithful. Just like some, I mean, and sometimes he still gives us blessings. Sometimes he still, that, that's, the, that's, that, that's the, 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 the grace right there, right? He still does it. But there are times that we ourselves, we rob ourselves of a blessing because we just won't be faithful. And because he loves us, sometimes he attempts to make us faithful. How? (laughs) Through testing and proving. I'm going through this. Uh, You need to learn to be more faithful. 
Best way, this is faithful boot camp. Faithfulness boot camp. In the Old Testament, God trusted God, and Joseph trusted God through the whole mess, right? The whole mess of his brothers turning against him, you know, throwing him in a pit, taking him out, selling him to slavery. From slavery, he went uh, uh, to, from slavery to falsely accused, and then falsely accused to prison, imprisonment. I mean, all that. He went through all that, and in turn, God was able to trust him with his assignment because he never turned his trust away from the Lord, right? Years of slavery, years of slavery, years of prison. He never stopped trusting, and he ends up second to Pharaoh and used by God to save a nation and his people. God trusted Joseph. There's many more. We see, I mean, he trusted Moses. He trusted Gideon. I mean, God, he trusts them. Can he trust you with the assignment? If the Lord fills you today, right now, let's say right now, let's say right now, you know, it was like a, a, a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and right now, each and every person was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now, right here, filled, filled. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? What will be our next steps? What would we do? How will we glorify the Lord? Can God, can God trust you? <laughs> Some people are single and want to be married, right? Can he trust you with a spouse? Can he trust you to love your wife the way he loves the church? Can he trust you to respect your husband? Well, Pastor, I don't know. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Can he trust you with a young in the faith disciple? Can he trust you to lead a person that has just come to Christ in how to be a Christian? Can he trust you with that? Or will you lead that young sheep in the wrong direction? Will you demonstrate habits or things that are not healthy for this young sheep to soak in? Can he trust you with young disciples? Can he trust you with a new job? Can he still trust you to put God first with a new job? Can he trust you to still put God first with more money in your life? Can he trust you to share the gospel? Can he trust you to stand firm even under the attacks of the enemy? In closing, in closing, Mary didn't have all the answers. She didn't have all the answers. She definitely didn't know what the future for her would be like. But one thing she did choose, right? Because we, we can't choose what happens to us. We can't choose what's going to happen next or who's going to walk into that door or who's the next person that's going to call your cell phone. Like, we don't choose these things. But what we can choose, what Mary did choose, was she chose to trust the Lord, therefore showing him that he could trust her. She remained faithful. And because the Lord trusted Mary, he used her in a powerful way. She became the earthly mother to God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Church, can you stand and uh, prayer team, can you come up? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Church, can he trust you? Church, can he trust you? You know, um, the Bible tells us that we were faithful in small things, right? So he gives us more. 
because we're faithful in the small things, it kind of gives you more responsibilities. Sometimes, sometimes what happens is this. We don't get a chance to really develop the way that God desires that we do because we look too far in the future. I'm going to tell you what that means. We see things in the future of maybe what we want to be or how we want God to use us or what we think God is going to, how God is going to use us. And we look at that, but then we look at ourselves here. We look back at that and we say, that could never be me. That could never be me. When instead, when instead, be you now. What does that mean? Who you are right now, serve him like this. Worship him like this. Praise him. Follow him. Learn like this. And in that faithfulness, in times like this, in moments like this, your consistent faithfulness to him, before you know it, he begins to see that he can trust you with more and that he can trust you with more and that he can trust you with more. I still don't believe that I'm worthy of a man to be chosen by God to be a, a, a pastor or a leader of many people. Sometimes you're like, God, I'm not worthy of this. And I look back to my life, and I'm I, I still not going to feel worthy, but I see what God did. Do you know what my first pulpit looked like? My first pulpit was a countertop at the store that I managed. My first pulpit was a counter about like this, and it was covered with paint, and it was paint everywhere, and it smelled like paint, and my friends and family used to hate to visit me because they were like, how do you stand there? I'm like, I don't smell it anymore. And people, my customers would come in, and randomly, you go to church, right? Well, yeah, what's up? Bro, t tell, me, tell me what this sounds like. T tell me what this means. Uh, okay, let me talk real quick over the countertop. That was my first pulpit where God began to use me in small dosages, dosages right? Then the pulpit changed from the countertop to the desk in my office because now things were getting a little more serious. Uh, you know what, let's just go in my office and talk about that. Let's pray in my office. And I had the privilege of seeing men that I would have never thought <laughs> will be serving the Lord. Right? David's mighty men we saw in some of the play. Those guys you would have never thought. And now are some amazing men of God. And not, and not because I did it. God does that. But though, that was the first pulpit. That was the first pulpit. And little by little in my life, God says, you know what? I'm going to give you some more. I'm going to give you some more. I'm going to give you some more. If we can be faithful with the smallness that God gives us, if we can start there, God will do so much more in your life. Are we being faithful with what God has given you now? If you feel called to be a minister of a teacher of the word, are you ministering and teaching your coworkers? If you feel called to be, a, 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 to be an evangelist or, or to be a missionary, are you, are you sharing the gospel with those around you now? It's being faithful in the small things. 
What are we doing with what God has given us now? Can He trust you? Can He trust you? And if the honest answer is, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not really being too faithful, then what is it that's holding you back? What is it that's holding you back? Because today can be the day that you can be set free from that. I believe it. I believe it. And I want to welcome you to the altar for prayer. I want, to, I want the, the altar is open for prayer for if you need encouragement encouragement to be faithful, encouragement to stand firm so that he can trust you. I want, I want to open the altar for if there's things that you're struggling or holding on to that are keeping you back from being able to be trusted by God. I want to pray with you. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you failed the Lord in the past, because let me tell you a secret. We all fail the Lord. We all fail the Lord. What matters is what decision you make today. That's what matters. The altar is open. The altar's open, and if you want to come forward and to tell God, you can trust me this day forward, then the altar's open. The altar's open, and we want to pray with you. We want to we, we encourage you. We want to motivate you, because today is a day that marks a new chapter in your life, a chapter of trust a chapter of dependency on him, a chapter of just standing firm in the midst of the trials and the tribulations, being loyal, committed, so that he can trust you with the assignment that he's given to you. Father God, right now we come before you, Lord. Look at the hearts of the men and women here today. The question today is, can you trust us? Can you trust us, God? Can you trust us with the assignments and the purpose of our life? Lord, help us. Help us to surrender ourselves to you. Help us to stay faithful to you, to your word, to your assignment upon our lives. Father God, empower us this day forward as bold men and women serving a powerful God. Father God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen.